As Peter travelled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydia. There he found a man named Ananias, who was paralysed and had been bedridden for eight years. Ananias, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat. And immediately Ananias got up. All those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became sick and died and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydia was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothes that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. In chapter 11. When they heard this, they, no further, they, no further, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. 
My name's Bert, for those who don't know me. It's good to be with you today and to have an opportunity to uh, share together as we have already done in this service. So we've had um, some very interesting readings here in the scriptures. Um, these passages have been chosen um, or in their context to think about um, the things that happen in the early church. There was a very serious issue in the in the early church after it was established. And today we are kind of looking at how that issue was resolved and the next steps. So here we see after the resurrection of Jesus, after his ascension into heaven and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the growth of the church in Jerusalem, Wonderful things are happening. And how God is leading the church and how uh, these things are developing. And I want you to think about being pushed out of your comfort zone as we um, look at these verses. And how God does that in our lives, and certainly how he did that in the life of the church in those days. Peter meets a man who has an unusual sounding name to our ears, because it's the name of a Greek god. So obviously, his parents were steeped in Greek mythology and named him Aeneas. And um, you can Google that and study that up and find out all the relationship between the gods. But it's interesting how we name our children. And if you're a Christian, you might throw in a biblical name. But if you were a Greek in those days, you would give them the name of their gods. So here's this man who Peter comes to and he's been paralysed for eight years, and, well, suddenly, he speaks a word, and he's healed. And it has such a dramatic effect. The whole village and all the district came to hear about Jesus. And the next thing he talks about, or he meets a disciple of of Jesus, whose name was Tabitha, who had died. This lady was such a caring person. And so her friends called Peter, come. So after the incident where Aeneas is healed, we see Peter going to Tabitha and speaking a word to her, and she is raised from the dead. And an amazing thing. And what happens? Huge numbers of people 
hear about Jesus and turn to the Lord. And the church grows. And that, of course, brings him to a place called Joppa, where someone gives him hospitality. And that someone is called Simon. Simon's a, a Christian. And he welcomes Peter and says, you could stay at my place. There's just a little detail. Simon is a tanner. I wonder what that conjures up in your mind. Well, I guess we all wear leather shoes, or maybe not, but cloth shoes or synthetic shoes, but leather. From the hides of animals, you've got to remove the hair and to do that, you need an alkaline solution. How could they do that in those days? Where do you get that? Well, they went around the neighbourhood collecting urine and letting that change and become smelly and alkaline and then mixing the hides with that to get the hair to fall off and then scraping off the bits of flesh that still clung to the hide. And all this smell of fermenting urine, rotting flesh. No one wanted to be a neighbour of a tanner. It was a smelly, stinky operation. That's where Peter lived for some time with Simon. That's where, on Simon's roof, he saw that vision. And that vision that was, um, we didn't read about that today, but the vision about the unclean animals. And take and eat. And he said, I would never do that. I've never eaten an unclean thing in my life. Three times he had that vision. And of course, then came the invitation to go to Cornelius's house. To go where? To a Roman centurion. To go to, to visit this man in Caesarea and share the gospel with him. And there, faith came to his house. Think of Peter. Think of the incidences that we read about today, the scripture passages, the Greek man, the Jewish uh, lady, Tabitha, Simon the Tanner, his occupation, and then going to a centurion, a Roman soldier, a commander of men, the hated occupying forces. Don't call what is clean, unclean, Peter. So these are the, the introductory things. It's a bit of a, a long introduction. But to help us to see, God is pushing Peter, isn't he? God is kind of making him stretch his horizons. And there's a huge response to the gospel. 
at, from Enos's, Enos's um, healing, Tabitha's raising from the dead, and then we see the centurion and his household coming to faith. Well, amazing things were happening. And God was pouring out his spirit beyond the boundaries. And then all the apostles got together and said, what is happening out there? So these things are happening north of Jerusalem. These things are happening um, kind of on the coast and northwards of Jerusalem, beyond um, their jurisdiction. We've got to check this out. We've got to work it out. What's happening here? So we're told that they send Barnabas. Barnabas, the, the strong Christian. A Jewish man. Originally he comes from Cyprus, but he lived there. He was a strong Jew. They heard these reports about the things that were happening. And Barnabas is sent. We, re we read in verse 19, Those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. So still, that's where the gospel is going. Only the Jews. But some of them, however, some of them, verse 20, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, Cyrene, do you know where that is? North of Africa? Probably a man of colour. He became a Christian. And he was preaching. And a man from Cyprus was preaching. And they began to speak to Greeks also. They weren't just talking to Jews now. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And that's where Barnabas was sent. It seemed to the church of Jerusalem, it seemed to the apostles, it seemed to the twelve or the eleven, it seemed that these things weren't right. A hugely radical event. And Peter was involved in that because he was being pushed. And we read about that in the context seeing all these people, even Roman centurions, hearing about the gospel. But now, it wasn't the disciples, it wasn't Peter preaching, it was men from Cyrene preaching. It was men from Cyprus preaching. And they were preaching to Greeks. Not Jews preaching to Greeks, not disciples preaching to Greeks, but Greeks preaching to Greeks. Barnabas, you've got to check this out. How can this be? 
And that's our text. When Barnabas arrived in verse 23, he saw... Let me make that a, a point. He saw, he, op- he had open eyes, and I guess ears. He checked it out. He was asked to check it out. He visited these groups right up in Antioch. Not just around Caesarea, north of Jerusalem, but way north. 300 or more miles or 500 kilometres north of Jerusalem. A very long journey. And he saw many believers who had become believers through the preaching of other Greeks. From a Cyrenian uh, disciples and preachers and proclaimers. And Cyprian proclaimers. And where were they trained? Who knows? So Barnabas checked it out. He saw and he heard what they were saying about Jesus. I remember um, travelling through India some years back and then as we were going from village to village and seeing things that were happening, suddenly we came to this village and there was an evangelist there who said, we knew you were coming. So um, we've arranged for you to baptise this, this husband and wife. And I thought, well, how, can, how do I even know that they're Christians? How do I know if he, he's told them the word of God? and preach to them properly. So through a translator, I, I asked them some questions. And I asked them what their hope was and who Jesus was and what had Jesus done for them. And I guess the pastor was cr- quite surprised. Why am I doing that? Why am I asking these things? Didn't I believe that they were true believers? So that was kind of confronting for me, just being put in that situation. But then I said, well, I don't even have clothes. Oh, we've got spares for you. That's all right. So there was a huge tub and we baptised this couple. This was kind of a, a situation like that for the apostles. What's going on now? And so far away... And we've got no control of this. How do we know that it's true? I know that my scepticism was turned to joy and gladness. To see that God is working in very poor situations, in tribal situations in central India. What joy to know that people who have nothing have everything when they come to faith in Jesus and become my brothers and sisters just the same. So that's what 
Barnabas came to do. He had open ears, didn't he? And he had open eyes to see. He went to see. That's what the text says. And secondly, he also had an open mind. What did he discover? The grace. And if you've ever heard um, a Greek word, you might have heard of the word charis, charis, grace. Or charity comes from that word. Grace. That's what he discovered. The graciousness of God. He had open ears and open eyes and he could see that in this uh, gathering at Antioch. And he saw and heard them telling about Jesus. And their hope in him and their love for him and their faith in him and their care for each other. And they forsook all their other gods and followed him alone. Even though it cost them so much and they suffered. So he had an open mind when he understood that. These two are my brothers and my sisters. And the this was the watershed moment for the church when the apostles first understood and Barnabas first understood look Greeks are speaking to Greeks about Jesus and it's the same it's the same Jesus and God is faithful and there are no more boundaries But I guess Barnabas would never have seen, would never have understood unless he himself understood grace. And he himself had known the love of Jesus and that Jesus died for him. And we shared that today in the Lord's Supper, didn't we? To, to remind ourselves that this is for me. I take this bread because I too have found grace. And because he had found grace, he could see that in other people. And when Cornelius became a Christian and his family, I heard this hymn for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's a very contemporary hymn and it's called Grace. And I was struck by the words again. Your grace that leads this sinner home from death to life forever and sings the song of righteousness by blood and not by merit. This sinner, the author says, by grace I am redeemed, by grace I am restored and now I freely walk into the arms of Christ my Lord. And that was Barnabas's personal experience. Is it yours? Is it mine? 
by grace, I am redeemed. Uh, the missionary from Central India that you guys think of and pray for, Shershing. I know him quite well, met him many times. He's a team leader. He's, um, he and his wife, Jyoti, they, um, I think it was 10 or 12 converts last year. Um, this year, haven't heard much about anything this year, but they're expecting 20 or so because they're going to a new village and telling there about the grace of the Lord Jesus. And I hope to start a church in that new village, starting with little prayer cells. Your grace, this song that I was quoting before, that reaches far and wide to every tribe and nation has called my heart to enter in the joy of your salvation. Grace that reaches far and wide. I guess being a Christian and growing up and we all have our context, we all have our um, situation and everyone's unique but God also wants us to have this wider perspective and the apostles had to learn that wider perspective. Greeks going to Greeks and we didn't train them and we don't know what they're doing and we don't know what they're saying. Check it out, Barnabas. And he did. And he heard them and he saw them. And he understood this is clearly the grace of God. Because it touched his heart and he sees the evidence of the grace of God. And what did he do? Well, we heard about that in the kids' talk. He rejoiced. It, that translation talks about gladness. And I think that's a bit of a weak word compared to this joy. It isn't that same Greek word, but it's a joy caused by grace. And so it's not just gladness, it's rejoicing. Because grace has touched somebody else and has touched me. And that's the word that, that Barnabas used or that Luke used when he wrote about this rejoicing. It wasn't just a smile on his face, but deep-seated, thankful response to God that he has been gracious. Rejoicing. Well, I guess it's a good time to reflect and think. And I'm thinking about my life. I wonder if we'd, we had a visitor from somewhere else coming to my place and saying, well, let me check it out. 
Let me see what I see and hear. Can I see the grace of God at work? Can I experience this joy? And what about if a visitor came to this fellowship? Is that, is that evident and obvious and deep-seated? We kind of say it is, don't we, when we take the bread and take the wine. But is it indeed true? And I guess that's for everyone to think about and to, to refresh ourselves again and again. Why am I here today? It's because God has touched my life. Your grace has led this sinner home. I'm secure in the blood of Christ. His blood was shed for me. His body broken for me. That same song goes on to say, your grace that I cannot explain, not by my earthly wisdom, the prince of life without a stain was traded for this sinner. The one who didn't have a stain took my place. Joy. There was certainly joy in Barnabas's heart and life that day. And he had a word for the, for the church there at Antioch. I guess Antioch was a, a very interesting place. It's a dreadful place, actually. It was the, the most wicked and corrupt city in the whole of the Roman Empire right up north from Jerusalem. It was the place of um, the worst evils that one could find in, in Roman civilization. And he encouraged those Christians. He encouraged them that day. Every believer there to stay close to the Lord with all your heart. That's it. Cling to Jesus. We sang about that. Turn your eyes upon him. That's the word of encouragement that we are refreshed in the joy and the gladness because God has been gracious to us. Remain close to Jesus. Where else would you go? I guess many of these people were, were refugees. Many of them were persecuted. Many of them were very poor. And they were living in a, in a dreadful society where all the moral values were being thrown away as the worst of, of corruption expressed itself. Your grace that reaches far and wide to every tribe and nation. So as I mentioned, this was a watershed moment for the church. 
God pushed Peter. He pushed him. And Peter was very reluctant to go and visit that centurion. And he did. And eventually the the group of the the apostles sent Barnabas. And he came back with a, a report of so much joy. Let's close there and ask ourselves those questions. Text we've looked at today, gospel joy, is it in you, is it in me? Why is it in you and why is it in me? Is it because we're just happy people? Or is it because grace has found a place in our hearts and grace is growing as we understand and love Jesus more and understand his love for us. And thirdly, do you see it in in your brothers and sisters? Here and care about in other parts of the world where there's no gospel foundation, where there never has been a gospel witness in all of history. The word of Jesus has never been named in many villages all over the world. I'll lead you in prayer. Father, we thank you for the joy of the gospel that we could celebrate today. We celebrated by singing and tasting and touching the bread and the wine and being refreshed in our hearts by your expression of grace to the early church and pouring out your spirit uh, so generously and so widely far away from where the church was first birthed and began in Jerusalem. And because of that watershed moment, the church, the gospel, has penetrated every country. But it hasn't reached every person. And so we want to pray and pray for uh, your blessing on that word going forth. That people would see and hear and experience that we too live by grace. Help us to do that in our workplaces, in our friendship circles, those we know. We pray for Shershik. We pray for the the work and the witness that he brings and his plans to, to reach another new village with the good news of the gospel. May he find a reception there open hearts that you have prepared and be pleased to bless and grow your church in central India too in this tribal context. Hear our prayer and be pleased to continue to watch over us that we will stay close to Jesus. Remain ever faithful to him and love and serve him all the days of our life because of his kindness to us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Bert, for that message. And in response, we are going to stand and sing.